Welcome to Series 3 of the Bookalicious podcast. I'm Paul Jarrett and the Bookalicious is the book podcast that leaves no page unturned. I'm sorry we've been away for a little longer than planned. A combination of technical challenges and changes in circumstances means that Bookalicious is going to take a slightly different approach and in the near future have a new website. Don't worry though. We'll still have plenty of chat about books, author interviews and updates on recommended reads. So if you love books and reading, you are in the right place. In this first episode of Series 3, I speak to Danny Robertson, author of All Through the Night, about the critical issue of light pollution and what we can all do to change it. This episode may sound a little bit different as we are in the new venue of the reserved library stacks at Wrexham Library. My do books make excellent soundproofing. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I'm delighted to welcome uh, Danny Robertson to Wrexham and to Bookalicious. So, uh, hello, Danny. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, now, so I'm um, just rehearsed uh, Danny's multiple huge job, but we're just going to settle with a dark sky officer for Project Norse. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, which covers pretty much the whole of North Wales. Is that right? It is, yeah. So I cover... Pavkinidley Full, Areri, Areri National Park, yeah. and also the areas of outstanding natural beauty, uh, so Pentlin, Ennis Morn, and the one we're just next door to, which is the Cluidian Range and Dee Valley. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. It's all the best places in, in Wales, so I'm very lucky. I'm actually quite envious. <laughs> I am quite envious. I do like my sleep, so nighttime isn't necessarily best for me but we'll, we'll talk about you <laughs> so um you, you came you came to north wales quite uh, quite an early age didn't you uh, danny i did so originally i was born in manchester in greater manchester and um, my parents moved us over to anglesey when i was seven years old so i was quite young but old enough to remember you know living in manchester and wales felt like this whole new world to me yeah a wonderful world it is oh it is it? amazing yeah. yeah so um well the reason we're we're recording uh, this you're my first uh <laughs> interview subject in um the stacks at the back of wrexham library and we literally are surrounded by <laughs> books plus a lot of electrical contractors stuff anyway you're here uh to to do a presentation uh in the library about your new and first book yeah. all through the night which is a wonderful read I, I i don't just say that to everyone but um <laughs> i probably wouldn't have read it if we weren't going to be doing this event or unless i'd sort of bumped up against it later but i'm so glad i've read it so that's what we're going to talk about now um and i thought the best place to start <laughs> and we'll talk a bit about what you do and why you do it but we should talk about alan 
don't you think? We should talk about Alan because he's quite problematic. Yeah, I think Alan's a problem. So tell us who who's Alan. <laughs> who is Alan? Do you see him as a person? I do see him oh as a person. Oh my word, this is great. <laughs> tell us about Alan then, Danny. So Alan, uh, he is, like I said, he's quite problematic, he's quite toxic and we've got to end our relationship with Alan. Um, he is causing chaos the world over. But his name is actually an acronym and he stands for Artificial Light at Night, or Alan, of course. But he is what we call, he is, I've given him calling him he now. But Alan is what we call the combined impact of light pollution. So the impact of lots of different bulbs on all night and they all go up into the night sky and create sky glow, which is Alan or Artificial Light at Night. Okay, and so really problematic. And since I've read your book, I am now seeing <laughs> lights all over the place and thinking they should be switched off. I ruin everyone's life. Yeah, Everyone. yeah. No, 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 no. But I, I, it, I think it's a really positive thing, and we'll come to that because I think actually it's it's quite a, a, a positive, optimistic book compared to a lot of other environmental. Yes. But I'm jumping to the end before we've got there. So uh, tell tell us then, um, you know, your your Darth Vader cape. A dark sky <laughs> officer. What does a dark sky officer do? So that is the first thing people say to me usually is, is it something to do with Star Wars? And unfortunately, I don't get to wear a cape to work. I am working on it, but not not got a cape yet. Um, but basically, I look after the dark sky. So I look after the nighttime environment and I try to protect it from light pollution. So part of that is a community engagement. That's a huge aspect of my job. And probably my favourite part of the job is going out and taking people um, out for a night out under the stars. I'm very lucky and I have a mobile observatory, which wow. is basically, it's a lot cooler than it sounds. It's basically a van, which is jam-packed with telescopes. Yeah, no, and still an loads observatory. Of it. It's like cool. So we don't have an observatory in Wales at all. None at all? None at all. So it's such a, it's a huge loss. It's a huge, we used to have quite a few, but they've all closed. Um, so my, I take people um, out under the stars. I drive my, va my van around my mobile observatory with my telescopes. I take them out and I show people locally what they can see um, in the night sky. So local to here, we go to Loggerheads and we go to Clandegla Forest, mm -hmm. uh, Mai, mm -hmm. lots of places in the Quidian range, um, which are perfect for stargazing. So I give people maybe their first experience of looking up at the night sky um, you know, looking at a telescope, using binoculars with the night sky. But we also do a lot of things like night hikes because people are naturally yeah. scared of the dark. So building people's confidence there. Um, a lot of things around nature and the environment, so bat walks and owl walks. And then there is like the boring side of the job. It's, 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 it is the boring side, but mm. it's the important side, which is the things like looking at planning applications, policy. Important. The important really stuff important. that goes behind the scenes and people yeah. don't see that aspect, but that's what You do that underpins. in the daytime. I yeah, guess. yeah. <laughs> when, do you, when do you sleep? <laughs> uh, I don't get a lot of sleep, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Although, but from the book, it sounds like you're a night owl anyway. I am definitely a night yeah, owl. Yeah, um, yeah. It can be quite difficult for people who want to get in touch with me to understand that I don't do nine to five when they <laughs> ring me at nine o'clock in the morning and I'm like, no, I'm not answering it right now. Well, we should talk about the book. I mean, that sounds like a pretty big role that you've got. Um, so how did you find time to write a book? But how did the book come about? What led you to, to, to writing it? So I've always written because I've never taken for granted because I grew up in Manchester mm. and moving to Wales. I've never taken it for granted just how special Wales is and all the encounters I've had with things like wildlife and the night sky. 
it's always something I've always wanted to remember. So I've always written things down, um, which, you know, is a little bit nerdy, I guess, the nerd in me. Um, but I just think you do forget a lot of the things that you do and the amazing opportunities you get in life. So mm. I started to write things down. And over time, I just realised that some of these things are really important. And through my job, I'm working my butt off to try and get to speak to as many people as possible. But I did think like a book would be the better way to speak mm -hmm. to a wider audience. So yeah, I didn't think a book was going to happen anytime soon. I thought maybe one day when I retire, perhaps, and I've got more time, I'll <laughs> don't write wait a book. Till then. No. I speak from experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just didn't think. I didn't take it seriously because one, I've got dyslexia. Uh, and ADHD so I didn't think that was anything wow. I was ever capable of um, but I was approached by uh, by HarperCollins who have published the book now or Harper North um, and they'd seen me and seen some of the work that I was doing and found it really interesting and they asked have you done any writing before and I said yeah I have got bits but they said can you send it over and I was like oh gosh yeah I suppose so <laughs> and I, I sent it off and I just felt absolutely sick because nobody else had ever read it before yeah. and it was terrifying and I thought they're just going to come back and be like oh yeah that's, that's okay we'll we'll look elsewhere um but the very next day they got in touch and said we all absolutely loved it wow. can you write us a book in six months basically and I said I don't know <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> to write a book let's see <laughs> okay I guess I can and then it just went from there and then I didn't have a life for it wow. took me eight months instead of six months yeah, but given what you've just said about dyslexia and ADHD, yeah. that is brilliant. I mean, it, it's a that really. I'm 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 uh, totally in awe. No, of thanks you. so much. And I've thank met you. a lot of authors, so well done. No, thank really you. Really well done. And um, okay, so so um, gosh, so you've got all these bits of writing and stuff <laughs> yeah. going on in your head, and the things that are happening because you you know it, it it's not it's not cut and dried, is it? You know, uh, so. How did you, you? I think you framed it very well. But how did you go about it? Did you sort of think of in sort of chunks of chapters, or did, yeah. did you just let it flow? I wish I was organised, and now I know. <laughs> now I've written a book, I know what I wouldn't do again. And what I struggled with the most was finding what not to put in it because I find I'm naturally I I say I'm professionally curious, so I find everything yeah. fascinating yeah. and everything like like darkness links into so many things it was so hard to pull back and I found myself one day three chapters near enough writing on space dogs and things that were completely unrelated but I thought it's not quite it's not relevant I have to get the word count down so I'll take out Belka and Strelka the space dogs for now for another day um but yeah I basically took it from the perspective of someone who wouldn't know anything about the night or light pollution mm. and I broke it down into why people should care mm. about light pollution and they were how I formed my chapters cool. and then I fleshed out the chapters that way um, and I hope it reads well because that is difficult and it is difficult to, to try and put yourself into someone else's shoes and make sure you're because obviously I'm an expert in my topic mm. but most mm. people don't know anything about light pollution because mm. it's not a very known about subject so trying to make sure you're not pitching it over people's heads and also I really didn't want it I have read a lot of very dry books on nature and the environment and lots of any specialised topic and you think how on earth have they spread this out to 10 chapters and I didn't want it to be like that um, so I also try to make each chapter standalone because I struggle with 
reading myself being dyslexic but I love reading I try to make each one you could it could be a topic of a book on its own right so it would be very interesting and you can read one chapter put the book down for six months Mm. and then come back to it and it's not it's not chronological you don't have to follow it in any particular order so I'm hoping that more people who maybe aren't so they're not confident readers or they're not because I feel like sometimes you feel like you've got to invest a lot of time into reading a book yeah yeah and if you put it down for too long, you'll forget where you were. And that's a real struggle of, of mine with reading because I fall in and out of love with it. But um, but yeah, so this book, you can just read the chapters any order you want, really, as as things take your interest. I, I, well, it definitely works. Uh, and I and I, I love the diversity of it. I, oh, I kind you. of, I, I can see what you're saying. I, it's sort of partly inside your head and, and I'm like you, I just... All sorts of things will distract me, and yeah. I'll be going down. And, you know, I was in Gladstone's library for two days and two nights uh, the other week, and I just kept going down rabbit holes. Never actually did what I was meant to be doing. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, the diversity is fabulous. You know, because so uh, some people, I guess, might look at the cover, which is great cover, but it, it's sort of saying nature writing yeah. to, to me. But it goes far more broad than that. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think about one or two of the things that really um, caught my uh, imagination and interest. Well, your chapter about the fear of the dark um, and being a man, I think all men should read that chapter Mm. about how 50% of the population women feel that they can't go out. And, And that's global, isn't it? It is completely global. And obviously I'm sitting here in... A very developed country which mm. should be safe but you know it's not we have domestic violence and violence against women happens weekly so it's a very sad state of affairs that when the clocks go back as they just have mm. um you know 50 percent of of the population all these women just feel like they can't access the outdoors anymore they can't go and have their leisure time because it isn't safe for us to be mm. out of doors mm. Mm. and i feel like darkness gets the blame for that but it's not the darkness. Darkness isn't hurting us. It's people like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no. not like me. Yeah, but, it, but it is. It's other people. It is it? other yeah. people. Yeah. And I feel much more uneasy in urban settings which are illuminated yeah. because I am I'm essentially have a spotlight on me. People can see that I'm a small person, <laughs> a small female walking around, maybe with a handbag, maybe with my phone. So, you know, I'm, I'm illuminated, whereas if I'm in an, yeah. a rural environment and I've got a head torch on and there's no other light, I'm completely anonymous. Like, nobody knows that I'm there. Or if somebody else was there, they would also have to have mm. a head torch on. So I'd be alerted to the in. fact. Yeah. But the interesting thing, though, I, I'm not going to just talk about this, but the, the was it Melbourne, I think, you yeah. came up with that study where yeah. they actually illuminated areas even more. And actually found it became more dangerous. It did, yeah. And that's that feeling of unease and unsafety because it is that social interaction. You can see who's there. You know, men could victimise women more because mm. it wasn't safe for them because they were completely exposed. So, you know, some of the places you feel the most exposed are like our public transport spots. So mm. where there's hubs because they're always so brightly illuminated. So you can be stood on a train platform, really bright lights. Yeah. And it can be you and a handful of other people. But, you know, you're just you're just really illuminated Mm. and it just doesn't feel safe because you are completely exposed and unfortunately brighter lights are harder for our eyes to function in um, and they're more damaging for our eyes but it also means that our night vision never gets to fully kick in 
So outside the cone of light that mm. is the street light, you can mm. have anybody there lurking around and you wouldn't shadows. see them in the shadows. So they can use the shadows to their advantage mm. and you can't see them because you're in the light and you are, you are literally blinded by the light. So you don't have that upper hand on someone. Mm. Um, so it is harder to keep yourself safe. But I thought, you know, as a man, I thought it was really important and that's just one, one part of it. Um, uh, so nature does I was actually horrified about some of the things um, I, it goes way beyond the fact you know we all know that moths get drawn to a light and you know it's not so great for migrating birds but it's it's much much worse than that isn't it and even trees yeah I mean, t- well, tell us about trees how they respond to artificial light when you first read these things you think that can't possibly be true but when you think about how trees operate of course, they are sensitive to light. And we do know that. We know that plants are sensitive to light because we have greenhouses mm. and we illuminate mm. greenhouses at night. We manipulate light to our advantage to make them grow. But when we're looking at trees, so our broadleaved species who have leaves, deciduous leaves, and they drop them in the autumn, they, they photosynthesize, obviously. So they're very, very dependent on light. They're reading uh, light levels all the time. And it's those closing, closing, like those nights drawing in when they're getting less and they realise, they realise, you know, they're not thinking, but the tree knows that the light, the days are shortening, winter is coming. And how trees work is that they absorb water up through their roots and put it up into the leaves. And of course, in winter it gets cold. And if they don't get rid of their leaves in winter, they'd still be bringing water up the trunk. And if you get a cold snap in winter and the tree freezes, all that water freezes and it damages the trunk, damages the branches, and that tree will unfortunately die. And what you are finding more and more, what you find more and more, uh, especially in my work when I go around looking to retrofit lights and change lights to dark sky friendly lighting, I find trees in the middle of winter that have still got all their leaves and birds nesting in those trees that are, you know, singing all night because they think Mm. it's the spring and it's just causing absolute chaos. It's not good, is it? Because I've noticed particularly this year, look, the trees have still got their leaves on. All my apple trees have got leaves on. I can't prune them. No. Well, I shouldn't prune them. No. You know, it's, it's silly things like that. And and part of that must be the increase of artificial light as well as obviously climate yeah, absolutely. change as well. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. climate change, it's uh, light pollution, you know, it's all of those different things. And this is why nature is so important in the book because light pollution is one of those pressures. And I'm not saying it's a silver bullet that's going to cure no, everything, no. but it's one of the pressures that we can take away because the natural world is getting it from all angles at the moment. We could talk for a very long time, I could tell. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're pulling out the highlights here of what is, uh, uh, you know, I think you you cover science, history, story. We could talk just about the Welsh folk uh, oh, yeah. uh, stories. Uh, Fiona Collins, who, who's Isn't been she here to Carnival of Worlds. Uh, she, she, she's fabulous. So you link all of that. We talked about sort of cultural, psychological references. It's just so good Danny it's so oh, good so much. um I do want to talk about Edison though the yeah. guy who's well he's the, the, said to have invented the bulb isn't he Edison he didn't he didn't believe sleep was good for us no I mean I I, I didn't know that that's just... no and it was this was whole going back to like the industrial revolution and you know the people who were wealthy thinking that the people who were you know in poverty the work in the workhouse they just thought sleep was an excuse and it was laziness you know they just thought it was an excuse to people so obviously we were dictated our days length of the day was if it when the sun went down you know factories they would have to use gas lights which weren't 
they're not they were very expensive to run they were very dangerous you were more likely to burn your entire factory to the ground than to get anything productive out of it so the real push for electric lighting and getting inside electric lighting mm. was to keep people in the factories longer and it was a huge thing that completely changed the industrial revolution you know mm. cities boomed from them because that's that's when we got 24 7 cities but it's not been good for us, has it? Oh, absolutely you know? not. No. You, you, I think the other thing, you know, just really made me rethink really about my relationship with light and how much light do I actually need? How bright do we actually need it? So it's going to cost me a fortune. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so really, humanity kind of started to go really wrong with this in the Industrial Revolution. So yeah. the other 180,000 years of however long Homo sapiens have been around... Um, Really, we were used to the dark, or was it we as far back as the the the, the person um, <laughs> who found fire? Well, we've always it was a natural fear for us to be scared mm. of the dark because, of course, when we lived in the caves and we lived outdoors, we were very vulnerable at yeah. night, and there were lots of predators that could attack us. Now we're so far removed from that; we have comp- we almost completely control our environments; they're mm. completely artificial, but we still have that fear, and I think a lot of us sort of like that fear as well so you know we get halloween and being scared of the dark and all horror stories are always dark um but it's really interesting that the lights we had before before leds like very recently mm. these bright white lights and um, they've always been like orange in color which yeah. have been very similar to flames yeah. and yeah, candle yeah. lights and yeah, that's yeah. more what our brain is, is used to that low level of lighting which didn't interfere so much so they were better for us they were better for us yeah so in you know, the colour temperature was better for us and having that low level of light means our eyes could work a lot better. Mm. They weren't Mm. better for us in terms of, you know, they were made out of things like animal fat and (laughs) gas lights and things like that. So they were toxic in other ways or they were very flammable and could burn things down. But we just, we've got all this technology now and we just haven't understood the impact that electric lighting and artificial lighting has had on us, especially on sleep. Mm. Because so many of us now don't prioritise sleep. And... You know, we're we're all guilty of it. We all go and watch TV before bed, or we're on our phones before bed. Yeah, and it's just not it's just not good for us because we're just keeping our brains alert and active when we should mm. be trying to sleep. I mean, it's interesting because Wrexham a while ago won an award for some street lighting, and I'm sure now, actually, having read your book, yeah, the lights bright and pointing downwards, mm. but it's so much brighter. So it probably actually isn't a lot better unfortunately for councils they the leds we've only had leds for about 14 15 years Mm. and it's very new technology and the councils changed over to leds for all the right reasons because it saves carbon emissions massively saves energy costs and um, they're a lot more controllable but unfortunately at the time when those changes were happening people didn't understand or there wasn't specialist knowledge in the councils about Mm. that color Mm. temperature Mm. of the light so we talk about kelvins so the really bright white lights are about 6,000 Kelvin, which try to mimic the sun and try to mimic daylight, which keep us alert and awake. Um, but not good for wildlife. Not good for wildlife. It's not good for us at night either. So we need to move down the scale to about the 2,700, to those really warm lights. Yeah. And it doesn't impact It doesn't impact the street light at all. It doesn't impact what you can see in terms of how far you can see or how far the light falls. But it just is a lower colour temperature that interferes with us less it interferes with wildlife less and um, you can get really into specific colour temperatures for different types of animals and especially bats but on the whole 2700 ish is the best 
Yeah. So it's actually as part of your job working with councils, do you talk to people? Because it's going to be really hard to go back to, yeah. to where we were. So, they, they won't get that. It's really interesting, actually, because Wrexham, Flintshire and Denbyshire have all recently signed up to um, our what we propose to them as a supplementary planning guidance yeah, yeah, in the Cluidian yeah, Range yeah. in Dee Valley. So we are actually going for a designated status for that area to make it dark skies, um, a dark skies awarded area. And, you know, Flincher and Denbyshire, they've all agreed to go down to like the 3000 and below right. Kelvin with the oh, streetlights. Yeah, that's progress. It is progress. It is okay. massively so. Well, we're, we're short of <laughs> time because okay. I need to, your, your public awaits. Um, uh, so uh, I just wanted to ask you, um, so I, I do think it's a positive book. So very quickly, give me a feel for what you hope people take away from this, something that they can do. So I think, like you said, conservationists and nature books were telling people all the time that the planet is dying, everything is dying. Mm-hmm. It's a catastrophe. So I really wanted this book to be a positive message because light pollution is it's fixable we can do something it's one of the easiest simplest cheapest things we can do to help reduce the pressure on climate change the biodiversity crisis cost of living crisis it'll it'll save so much money for people in that you know we're all struggling at the moment so by turning lights off when they're not in use or by adopting dark sky friendly lighting it's really important that people understand we're not saying that you can't have Mm, any light mm. at all we just need to use light more considerately um, and to think about its impact and the wider impact. So we're only using light as efficiently as possible in the places that we need it when we need it. So that's what I want to take people to take away from it is to know that they do have the power to make a really big difference mm. and that every bulb matters, every bulb counts when it comes to light pollution. So especially in cities like Wrexham, um, you know, we're talking about artificial light exposure and I think people think dark skies is just a rural thing mm. but it's our urban um our urban communities that are way more impacted and they're going to get all the health consequences of this so for them it's it's really important that we get our urban councils and communities yeah. and neighborhoods on board because they are the ones who are going to get the ill health effects it sounds like you're making progress so this is i am good. i am I knocking mean, down doors I am. I'm, I'm total opposite to you i i was brought up in rural sorry i know that sounds crazy but it's it was very rural um, no street lights or anything. I was just used to an amazing Milky Way uh, at night, and we'd wander around at night. No one, you know, you didn't <laughs> think about having a torch or anything. Hey. Um, so it's quite a shock to me, even now, sort of forty years or more later, um, going out into the backyard, and I can just about see Orion. Maybe, yeah. I, or maybe what was it? Fifteen stars is one of those. Things. Yeah. Um, Lots of satellites. There are uh, lots of satellites. Oh, yeah, we, we haven't got time to talk no. about that. You know, we go into space. I mean, it's just, you know, the space debris and all of that stuff. Yeah. It's, amazing. it's an amazing book. So, thank you so, so much. So thank, thank you for you. writing it, Danny. Uh, any chance you might write more? I would like to. I don't know. So it didn't put you off. That's great. No, it didn't put me off. But um, I think I'd have to give myself a lot more time <laughs> next time. <laughs> and I'd love to write a more... You know, there's so many there's so many topics out there that interest me, but I would like to look at specifically just looking at the wildlife and each mm. I'd like to write a book on the nocturnal species and a chapter on each nocturnal species oh, I'd like love that. glowworm, nightjars, Please things like do that. that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, I will try and find the time and someone who wants to publish yeah, it as well. And don't wait until you've retired. Okay. <laughs> or at least half half a college didn't come to you and say, so your second book, we want that. Mm. Yeah. They haven't done that yet. Well, no, and I didn't, I thought they'd be a lot more involved in the writing process itself and mm. it kept. I was writing away and they just left me to it. And that made it more terrifying when I submitted it at the end because I was like, I don't know if this is actually what they want at all. But it well, went okay. And you, did they edit, it, edit you heavily? No, they didn't edit. They took wow. out one chapter. I had one chapter removed. That's pretty good going. Yeah. I, I Talking to other authors, that's really good going. So yeah. you must have got a gift. Well, I don't know about that. Mm. but See. Yeah, I had one chapter on religion that I took out because it was a bit... Oh, yeah. You have to share, share yeah. <laughs> secretly with me because we B-side. just have a whole show just <laughs> on that. Um, and, and and given given you talked about your uh, openly about your dyslexia and ADHD, and I my, my my question to a lot of authors I meet is, you know, what are you reading at the moment, and who's inspired you? But that might be a tricky question for you. I have got quite a few authors who you know I'm I grew up reading so. Uh, we had a lovely local library, and Philip Pullman was a huge. Yeah. I loved him growing up. Um, but at the moment, I really am enjoying books by Mike Parker. Yeah. Um, oh, his writing is so good, and I'm I'm really fortunate that he's actually released a book with Harper North as well. So he's been he's been and um, did my book launch with me as like a compare, and I'm just he's just such a lovely genuine good oh guy. Oh my gosh, I interviewed him here. He's a, absolutely amazing. Lot, he's just he's excellent, and excellent. he's just given me so much support. Yes, he is, yeah, yeah. and he's just been like he's just sort of taken me under his wing a little bit and. It's been really. His books are. His books are amazing, and it's so mad for me because I am I am such a fan of his, and I read all his books. But him to suddenly be there at my book launch, (laughs) it was so bizarre. Because Map Addict is literally one of my favourite books, Um, and I've just finished um, All Along the Border. Oh, it's such a good. So good, so good. So well, you actually you're following in his footsteps as one of the authors at Wollstone's brought here. It's great, and as well because he grew up in England and moved to Wales yeah, he did. and he's learnt Welsh as Ooh, well I feel a panel coming on <laughs> um, yeah, yeah yeah and it's for people like you and I who are rabbit hole people yes. call us that. Yeah. Uh, his books are fabulous they are amazing um, okay well look we we are going to have to 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 lead you out to uh, your your public. So thank you ever so much for giving me time, uh, Danny. And um, uh, uh, hopefully we'll meet again. Um, oh, definitely. Uh, before you even before you retire and write your next <laughs> book. <laughs> but thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. You've been listening to Bookalicious, not just any book podcast. If you want more information or get our show notes, please go to bookalicious.com. And if you want to send us a message, you can do so on info at bookalicious.com. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please rate us and do make sure you tell all your friends. Until next time, wish you all happy reading. <laughs>